Today you made an important decision. That decision was to click the play button on this podcast. And for that, we thank you. Sal Barry here, along with Tim Parrish. And today we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Finals. Woo-hoo. Woo! How about this? Uh, the Blackhawks, whom I followed all season, and, and Tim did too, though he won't admit it. I can't help it. It's a local team, so I have no choice. It's a local team, right? So they're, they're your 1A, right? Pittsburgh is 1, and the Blackhawks are 1A? I don't know if I would say 1A, but carry on. So uh, <laughs> this is exciting. Uh, this is the, as pretty much everybody knows and everybody says, this is the third finals appearance in six years for the Blackhawks. This season, they'll be facing the Tampa Bay Lightning, who's also a very exciting team, highest scoring in the league. This should be a fun-filled, high-scoring, high-energy matchup. Totally agree. The only thing I was wishing for was an Anaheim and Tampa Bay final, but, you know, you can't have everything you want. Ouch! I think this one's just going to be as good as any that you've seen in the last few years. Uh, These teams match up pretty well with each other. I think Tampa Bay's top line, what do they call them, the triplets? The triplets. I think they match up really well with Chicago's second line. It's going to be a barn burner, that's for sure. So when you say that you were wishing for an Anaheim-Tampa Bay series, was that just to spite me, or do you have a real reason for wanting that? Well, actually, I wanted to see like the Capitals versus the Ducks, so I could see which team gave up four games the quickest. (laughs) But since we don't have my friend Alex in the playoffs anymore, you know, this was the next best thing, I guess. That's the thing. I like Anaheim. I like the Ducks team. I like the way they play. They're a fast team, but they're also physical. You don't see that with a lot of the teams that get that deep in the playoffs all the time. You don't see those teams that are always out there just beating on people. So I like teams like that. And, you know, that is interesting because Anaheim played a very physical series. That was one thing that was brought up, how they just wanted to wear down Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves and just hit him over and over again, and yet scoring prevailed. Right, and you could see that not only scoring prevailed, I mean, you had some fairly high-scoring games there, but I think it showed how deep Chicago is at defense and how puck possession and the defensive play, I think, made the difference between Anaheim winning and in Chicago. Yeah, but everybody was was pretty much chiding the Blackhawks for only having four defensemen, you know, and it's funny because a couple weeks ago you pointed out Michael Roosevelt went down and you said this is going to be a problem, and I thought, eh, you know, they got enough scoring, but actually it was a problem for a little while where they would put Kimo Tiemann out there or they would put um, Kyle Kaminsky or they would put uh, Runblad and Anaheim would just light him up. How many teams in this playoffs this year, other than New York, have a front three that actually play defense? I mean, look, Jonathan Taze, he's one of the best defensive centermen in the league. I don't think there's really any argument about that. So you get him out on the ice, it's almost like in, in most transition plays, or at least in the neutral zone, it's like having a third defenseman out on the ice. Right, and even Hosa has chipped in defensively and led to a turnover, sure. uh, defensive zone turnover, which uh, resulted in a goal for the Blackhawks. So, yeah, you're right. It's like once they figured out to play, I don't want to say team defense because they're a great team, but it's almost like once they didn't let their lack of depth at defense bother them and they just said, all right, screw it, let's just score a lot of goals, then they did it. They know who they are as a team. They know what their identity is. Everybody knows what their job is, and they all go out there and do it. 
every single night. And that's one that's one team that you can watch and see a consistent team play over and over and over again. You know what you're going to get. And, and that's a winning team. Yeah, but also, I mean, any good Stanley Cup road to the finals, it's a journey. It's a trial. It's like the trials of Hercules or something where now you have to beat the Ducks and you have to figure out a way to beat them. Gone are the days when Montreal or even in like the early 2000s with Detroit where, you know, they would just front load their team with all the talent they could and, and, and win four straight and that was boring. They Teams now have to figure out themselves and figure out the other team, and I think that makes it exciting. I mean, the, there has to be a chips-are-down moment for them. It's not just like, Detroit's going to win four straight this year. That's why you see a lot of hockey writers refer to NHL now as NHL 2.0, because this is post-salary cap era. There's so much parity across the league. You can't stock a team full of top-played superstars anymore because you're going to hit the cap and you're not going to have any depth left anymore. And you see that with a lot of these teams that spend all the money on their top few guys and they've got nothing left to bring up. You know, you, you end up with a situation where if you don't play the right game when it comes down to the cap and the right players and everything else, I mean, it's all this, it's this big giant chess match. That's why I don't envy the job of GMs in this NHL at all, being able to do what they do. You know, one stat that was that they kept throwing at us was, the Chicago Blackhawks are 15-0, and 0, well now 16-0, and 0. every time Marion Hosa scores a goal in a game. There should be a stat for what the Blackhawks are when Kane, Taves, Hosa, and Saad all score in the same game, right? It'd probably be the same, probably be the same number. Those stats are meant to like cause controversy. Every time Doc Emmerich opens his mouth and says something, it's, it's for the sole purpose of as soon as he says it, somebody's going to do something that changes whatever that was. This guy has scored on every third shift that he's had on the ice since his rookie year, and then he goes out and he doesn't score. And that's, what, that's why they do that. I hate looking at those kind of stats because it's like playing money ball. You know, you, you break everything down to the bare bones of it. Okay, this guy does this against this kind of situation. And if it's raining and there's 14 clouds above the arena, I, I hate all that. Well, there, there are certain stats like that that are cool. Like, I'll give you, for instance, I just finished reading um, The Third Best Hull, which is Dennis Hull's autobiography. And he talked about how more than half of the scoring that he did, he was a decent player. I mean, he was always compared to Bobby Hull. But he talks about how he was a much better player on the road because he didn't have the Blackhawk fans booing him. If he had the same stats at home that he did on the road, then, you know, he probably would have hit 500 goals. I mean, he would have hit 500 goals. I like stuff like that. I think when you start getting into, like, these really minute details, then it starts to take the fun out of it a little bit with the, you know... I mean, it's a chess match on the ice. The guys are going to go out there, they're going to do their job, and the best team's going to win in the end. These are the two best teams in hockey, hands down. I mean, you mentioned it earlier. These are two of the top-scoring teams in the league this year. There's a lot of firepower out there, a lot of guys that can score. I think you're going to see high-scoring games. I don't know that either of these goalies... I don't necessarily trust either of them. I don't know that they're both going to be able to hold up to the firepower. That that's just my opinion. I mean, they're going to be facing a lot of a lot of shots on goal. A little later, we're going to be joined by uh, Justin Godfrey, who's a uh, well, I call him an expert in the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's uh, 
actually somebody that Tim and I trade cards with, and he also blogs, blogs about the Lightning, among other teams. Uh, so why don't we focus a little bit on the Blackhawks? Obviously, the Blackhawks have a lot of offensive weapons, and it's even funny that you think about like the last series, Patrick Sharp didn't even really make much of an appearance. You know, a lot of it was the secondary scoring until like the last couple of games when Kane and Taves really stepped it up. Right, but I think the difference is if you look at both teams overall, the majority of the scoring for the Lightning comes from their top line. On the on the Hawks, everybody's chipping in and doing their part because they've all been involved in the scoring and they've all had their chances on the ice and they've taken advantage of it. So you have a lot of that depth there. You know, the top line obviously can score. The second line can obviously score. It's the bottom two lines that you don't expect that much production from, and they're still scoring. Yeah, and then you get Marcus Kruger with an overtime goal. Yeah, so the guys that you least would expect that would go out there and, and chip in and do their part are doing it for the Hawks. And that's what a championship team needs. Right, and I don't necessarily think that the Lightning have as, as much depth. I mean, they, they're a deep team, don't get me wrong, but I don't think they have as much scoring on their lower lines. Yes, and that is true, perhaps, but they did get a lot of goals past Hendrik Lundqvist, so they've been figuring it out. It wasn't a fluke that they got to the finals. That is true. I mean, they took down Carey Price, right? They took down Henrik Lundqvist. Basically, those two guys are considered, if not in the top five, maybe even the top three. So they're probably looking down the ice at Corey Crawford going, yeah, piece of cake. That's the one thing that they shouldn't do is get too cocky because they are a young team and you're playing a lot of experience. I think it's funny that you said that you don't trust either goaltender. I don't. And it's funny because when you think of Corey Crawford and Ben Bishop, you don't really think of, say, like Carey Price or Martin Broder back in his prime. NHL caliber goaltenders, yeah. Starters, yeah. But not like elite. Like, imagine if the Lightning had Henrik Lundqvist in that. Well, I mean, that's exactly it. Two years ago, if you said Ben Bishop to the casual hockey fan, they would say, who? Because nobody knew who he was. Yeah, third stringer on the Blues. Yeah, maybe not so much Crawford, but if you go back a couple more years, nobody knew who Crawford was. I mean, so you got guys that are doing well, are playing well, are circumstantially better because of who's playing in front of them. You can have a phenomenal goalie, but if you got no help in front of you, it's just target practice. And there's only a matter of time before, you know, the rubber gets past you. I don't look at either of these guys as being solid number one goaltenders, I guess. You know, you put you put either of those guys on a dozen or more other teams and their backups. That's why I say I don't trust them. Not that they're not good goalies. I mean, they've both played phenomenal. You would take Tuka Rask over, over Corey Crawford? Uh, yeah, I think I would. Even though Corey Crawford won that series and Tuka Rask did not. I like Rask's style more than Crawford. Crawford's a little too quiet for me. You would take Cam Ward over Crawford? Um, I don't know that you can put Cam Ward in the elite class anymore. Jimmy Howard. I mean, he was benched in the, the first round. Yeah, I, I don't think I would take Jimmy Howard. Okay, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury. Oh, yeah, of course I would. Because he's a penguin. You put him in any other uniform, you wouldn't care. In Fleury, I trust. No, I mean, here's the thing. Fleury can play great, but he can also play horrible. So he's got one side and he's got the other side. He's kind of a Jekyll and Hyde goalie. But again, it makes a big difference who's in front of him. Some of those games in this playoffs, pfft, 
He had no defense. Nobody in front of him playing defense. Guys were just teeing off on him. He made some fabulous saves, but way too many of them went in because they're not there anymore. So, I mean. It seemed that Crawford's biggest problems were when he'd give up a rebound and a player was right there on the doorstep or a lot of the stuff like in the slot, not so much like stuff from the point, even though that goal that he gave up against the Kings last year in the conference finals was a shot from the point that clinched the Kings their uh, their trip to the Stanley Cup finals. Well, pretty much clinched them the Stanley Cup. But I don't think he gives up weak goals like that normally. No, but you are right when you say he gets burned on some rebounds because that's one thing I did notice by watching a lot of these games is he doesn't cover up the puck a lot. Those initial shots coming into the zone end up being second chance shots because it's coming off a blocker pad or, or coming off of his uh, leg pad or off the stick, or and he doesn't cover the, the rebounds. But that you know what? You watch a lot of these games, and there's a lot of goalies out there that don't cover rebounds. So that's not my biggest concern about him, though. I just think Crawford is – you don't know – I don't think you necessarily know what you're going to get every time he goes on the other. He's not going to steal them a game. It's less likely that they're going to win one nothing than they are – four to one or four to two like they need that scoring and and he could keep them in it but he's not going to shut down the other team completely and that's the that's exactly it these are these are the kind of goaltenders that they might give up three or four goals but they're going to win the game five to four or five to three or or six to two or something like that because they have all of that extra in front of them they have good defense they have good offense so it's going to come down, I think it's going to come down to, well, this sounds, this sounds stupid, but it's going to come down to who can stop the top two lines from scoring. I think that's what it's going to come down to. If either team can push all of that scoring, take it away from the top lines, and force the second, third, and fourth lines to put the points on the board, that's going to be the determining factor in this in this series. If the Tampa if Tampa Bay continues to do what they do and rely completely on their top line to score, they're not going to make it out of out of this. So prediction time, uh, who do you think is going to win, and in how many games? I'm saying the Hawks in six. Ah, oh, see, I was going to say Hawks in six too. You you stole my answer. Well, that's that's just what I it's what I envision. I don't think the Lightning have enough in them to withstand another seven game series. Not that, not that I don't think they can. I just don't. I don't think they have the chutzpah to stand in there. I guess. I agree with you there. Hawks and six seems about right. Obviously, they're going to have to win a road game to clinch because they don't have the home ice advantage like uh, they've had the past two times they were in the Cup Finals. Be nice if they did. If they clinched at home, that would be. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, or you know, put the cup before the the four wins. Uh, and it's so easy to say, oh, yeah, they're going to win. I think this is going to be a tough series, and I think this is going to be their toughest series because they're playing a team that's similar, that's so similar in style. The run and gun, the breakout passes, the right. the high scoring, and then even, like, elite defensemen like, you know, Keith and then Hedman on, on, on the Lightning. Right. Okay, so if the Hawks win, if and when the Hawks win... Who's the uh, Conn Smite winner this year? So remember, uh, Jonathan Taves won it in 2010. Patrick Kane won it in 2013. No rules saying that either one of them can't win it a second time. In fact, that seems to be the obvious choices there. Brandon Saad. Just to be difficult, huh? No. He's basically in a contract year. So 
why not go out there, leave it all on the ice, and then you can basically write your own check wherever you decide to go after that. And if it's the Hawks that, t- that re-sign them, then so be it. You know, guys, when they're in contract years, they usually they, uh, do something special, especially higher-profile guys. My pick is going to be Jonathan Taves because he showed what he could, what he is capable of extremely well in those last three games. Think back to Game Five when uh, he scored those two goals in in the waning moments of the game. He scored that one goal at that almost impossible angle. He's gone from being called Captain Serious to Captain Clutch because. He's found a way to step it up even more, and now he's scoring big goals at the right times. And even in Game 7, I mean, he went out there and he scored two goals right away. That's a valid choice. Yeah, so that's that's who I'm going to pick. So you're going with the guy who's in a contract year. I'm going with the guy who seems to be an obvious choice. I don't like picking the obvious. Yeah, I know. But you know what? Sometimes you just, there's a reason why it's the obvious choice. I could have either said Taze or Kane or... Or Keith with his defensive play, but no. I'm going out on a limb. Actually, Keith is an interesting choice now that you mention it. Maybe I should change my answer just to be different, but uh, I'm not going to. Here's the thing with Keith. I mean, he's still one of the best defensemen in the league, even though he's he's a little older. Let's be honest. His, his play kept the team in a bunch of those closer games. Those three assists in game six. I mean, come on. Right. He has the potential. Well, but if you think about what a what an MVP is, that's... That's what an MVP is. I mean, it's the person who either has an excellent series and turned the tide of the series or they were the only reason why the series went so long, even in a losing effort. Well, hopefully I'm right and you're wrong and then I win. Well, what do you win? I don't even know what we're betting. I don't even know what the stakes are, but who cares? You know what? My team is in the finals. That's uh, good enough for me. Well, congratulations on that front. All right. So I think next up we're going to be joined by Justin Godfrey, who is a uh, fan and blogger of the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he's going to fill us in on how that team has done. Obviously, they're doing great, but how that team has done during the regular season and how they might be able to win uh, the Stanley Cup Finals this year. So we are joined by blogger Justin Godfrey, who, among other things, writes about the Tampa Bay Lightning. He spent some time in Tampa. He now lives in Chicago. So, Justin, this has got to be kind of like the dream matchup for you with two teams that you follow pretty closely now in the finals. Yeah, pretty much. Actually, going into the season, funny thing is I put two bets down uh, when I was out in uh, Tahoe. One of them was for the Lightning to win the Eastern Conference, and one was for the Blackhawks to win the Western Conference. So, for one of the few times in my life, my prognostication skills actually paid out. It is pretty much a dream matchup living in Chicago now, getting to watch the Tampa Bay Lightning, a team that pretty much is the team I grew up with as a hockey fan. Started watching them in 97 when I was down there in college, and have followed them ever since. So been through the ups and downs with them. So what has this season like been for the, the Tampa Bay Lightning, for you know the Blackhawk fans who are listening who maybe haven't followed the Eastern Conference that closely? It's been a pretty good season for them. I've told somebody in the past it's probably the most entertaining team I've ever watched play on a regular basis. They do shadow the Hawks a little bit as far as being a high-energy team, uh, a lot of offense, uh, sometimes questionable goaltending, which makes for exciting play, of course. They do tend to play to the level of their competition throughout the season anyways. They get on a good roll, and then they would lose to Edmonton or Toronto or get blown out by Minnesota, something like that. But overall, it's probably been 
like I said, one of the more entertaining teams that I've watched so far. You know, it's funny that you said that because a couple weeks back I said the same thing about the Blackhawks. They can raise their game to the competition, but when they're playing a crummy team, they don't seem to put in the same effort as when, you know, their backs are to the wall. I mean, case in point, Winnipeg is a much improved team this season, but I remember going to a game and the Blackhawks lost one to nothing, and the Jets scored that first goal 20 seconds into the game. And so basically the Blackhawks, they didn't score a goal, and it was just like, wow, I mean, Winnipeg's goalie played a great game. You know, you look at something like that, like they lose one nothing to the Jets, and then they're able to come back from a 3-2 deficit against the Ducks, who are obviously a much stronger team. And so you see sort of a similar thing with the Lightning, where they raise their game to their competitors' level. Yeah, definitely. Like, during the regular season, uh, they sw- I think they played Montreal five times, beat them all five times, beat them pretty handily a few games, but then would go up and, like I said, lose to Toronto or something like that, and, you know, Early in the season, Toronto was all right, but losing two games to them in the springtime when Toronto was pretty much a train wreck was kind of hard to watch because it'd be the same thing. They would just see a really flat team out there. The passing would be off. They'd seem disinterested. Next thing you know, Bishop gives up three goals and you know they're down 3 nothing or something like that, and they would stage a little bit of a comeback but still end up losing. So, But for the most part, throughout the season, I mean, they just... I wouldn't say they dominated the Eastern Conference, but when their backs were up against the wall, they definitely played their best. So what is the Lightning, or what are the Lightning's biggest strengths going into this final series against the Blackhawks? It's going to be offense. They're an offensive team. They led the regular season. I think they scored just over three goals a game, something like 3.16 goals per game. They're probably one of the best teams I've ever seen transitioning from defense to offense to creating turnovers in the neutral zone or blocking a shot in the defensive zone, and their forwards almost immediately spring out. Uh, the defensive they have, Hedman, Strawman are pretty good at that initial pass out of the zone. So you will probably see him hit two or three long home run passes, as they like to call, splitting the defense down the middle. And something that's kind of come along in the, in the playoffs is they've really learned to adapt to the teams that they're playing. First round against Detroit, really wouldn't say physical, but kind of one of those obstruction interference games that they had trouble with. They had problems with Detroit taking them out of plays. But by the games five and six, they kind of started to adapt their play to be a little bit more physical and kind of adapt to going into the corners, fighting a little bit more, not always looking for the pretty goal and just throwing pucks on net. So their biggest strength is going to be offense, scoring goals. They slowed down a little bit in the playoffs, but not too much. I mean, they put up five goals against Lundqvist back-to-back games, so... They never have a problem putting it in the net. Yeah, that's not too shabby when you get five goals in against Henrik Lundqvist and then, you know, ten goals in two games. I mean, that's nothing short of a miracle. So besides, uh, of course, everyone knows Steven Stamkos, who are some of the other scoring threats on the Lightning team that Blackhawk fans should watch out for or <laughs> the Blackhawks should watch out for? I mean, the phrase you're going to hear over and over again is the triplets. That's a lot of Tyler Johnson, Andre Palat, and Nikita Khrushchev. They've played together pretty much since their days in Syracuse in the AHL, uh, Norfolk before that. Just they are the number one scoring team. It's kind of funny to say that, that they're the number one scoring line for a team that has Stamkos on it. But Stamkos kind of throughout the second half of the year and then into the playoffs has been reduced to the secondary secondary scoring. Really? Yeah, I would consider him secondary scoring now. Coach Cooper doesn't really define number one, number two, number three lines. He just says, I have this line, I have this line, and this line. And you'll kind of see him, when he rolls people out, 
But for all intents and purposes, the Tyler Johnson line is the number one line. They've scored the bulk of the goals. Let's see. Tyler Johnson's got 12 goals. Kucherov's got nine. Palat's got seven in the playoffs so far. They're going to be your number one line to watch. It's probably going to be the line that I would think Duncan Keith and his uh, defensive pair are going to be matched up against for most of the playoffs. Now, what would you say are some of the... Uh... This sounds almost like a job interview. What would you say one of the yeah. what, what would you say one of the Lightning's biggest weaknesses uh, is? That's right. What's your biggest weakness? Yes. What is your biggest weakness, and how did you address this weakness, and why should I give you a job? Oh wait, there's no job here. <laughs> you know, I was mentioned earlier. They're a pretty good transition team. Sometimes they're a little too aggressive. Their forwards leave the zone a little too early. It lets their defensemen get kind of trapped with no options back in the um, defensive zone. So you will see periods of time where they just seem absolutely inept about getting the puck out of the zone, especially against a quality team like the Blackhawks. It kind of drives Lightning fans insane to watch them pass the puck, the puck back and forth behind their own net and then turn it over, and next thing you know, someone's taking a shot from right in front of the goalie. They've taken a ton of penalties in the playoffs. Three rounds, they've, taken, they've been shorthanded 69 times already, which you can get away with when you're playing against Montreal, who can't score, or... New York, who had problems scoring, but I think a team like the Blackhawks, you can't take three penalties a game, or you're going to... You know, that's true, but the Blackhawks have been pretty woeful on the, the power play. I mean, they're not as good as right. they should be on the power play. I was going to say, you really don't want to give them too many chances either to, to get better, though. You know, you don't want to send Kane and Taves out there all the time with an extra fan either. Bishop, was he with the team last season? He seems to be kind of now their number one goalie, whereas before... They didn't really seem to have like a really solid number one netminder since perhaps Nikolai Habibulin. Yeah, he uh, yeah, last year was Bishop's first year as the number one starter. Uh, they went into training camp last year with him and Anders Lindbach kind of competing for the number one role. Bishop won it easily, doing great. For some reason, Cooper kept throwing him out there at the end of last year, and he ended up dislocating his elbow with about a week to go in the season. So he was out for the playoffs last year, and of course he ended up getting swept by Montreal in the first round. So, like you said, probably the first one since uh, Javi Bolin. They've played around with the likes of John Graham. Dwayne Rollison was the closest to a number one goalie for multiple years, but you know he was pretty much running on fumes by the time he got there. Even Kari Ramo from the Flames was going to be their heir apparent for a little while. So they've, they've run through a, a pretty good name. A run of names between their Stanley Cup appearances for number one goalies. Dustin Tokarski. Dustin Tokarski, yeah, he was one of them. So it's, it's kind of interesting being a Lightning fan and um, trying to define if your goalie's good or not because we haven't had very many good goaltenders to watch. Mm-hmm. He's played two years. Bishop's been their starter for two years. He's already second all time in wins for the franchise in the regular season. So wow. He's, yeah, he's only three behind Hobby Bullen to be the number one overall. So. Wow, really? I think he'll uh, he'll probably get that record if he plays next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you had to build a Mount Rushmore of Lightning goaltenders, it's pretty much Darren Poopa, Javi Bullen, Bishop now, and to be announced. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be announced, exactly. What else should the Blackhawk fans know about the Lightning? Probably one of the things, especially coming off your Anaheim series, the Lightning aren't a physical team. Oh, that's good. They're not going to be running people into the board, especially in the defensive zone. You have Victor Hedman, who's six foot six. Mm-hmm. Schuster's six foot seven, but they're not physical players. They're not going to be running people into the boards. A lot of stick checking. They one of the things they preach is staying in position, so they don't really go for the big hit. 
be more trying to get into passing lanes, things like that. So don't expect a lot of huge jarring hits or anything. The Blackhawks will have space to skate. So these two teams have a very similar style. Yes. I have a feeling it's going to be a high-scoring final, so... We shouldn't be hearing anybody complain about no offense in the NHL. Maybe we'll get an 8-7 to seven score or something. If any teams can do it, it's going to be these two, that's for sure. And uh, so we're talking to Justin Godfrey. He is a blogger, among other things. He has a blog called The Hopeful Chase. He blogs about the Baltimore Orioles, the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's kind of a, an eclectic mix. Uh, trading cards uh, and other sports-related things. I know there's some boxing that you've written about. Uh, you can check out his blog at hopefulchase.blogspot.com. That's our show for this week. Thank you for clicking on that play button, and hopefully you'll be back again next week. <laughs>